Spapreneur, episode 129. Today's episode is brought to you by Demented Ramona. <laughs> to be fair, she has very tiny humans and they're around a lot. You can't listen to uh, our show. Hello. So I've not been listening to things because even if I listen, I probably won't remember. <laughs> there is nothing relaxing about owning a day spa. Serious spa owners know that being in the spa business isn't for the weak. And the lesson in this was I didn't follow my own advice. This is the Spapreneur Podcast with Ramona Rice and Lynn Graves. She is the main owner of the company. I am the COO. I get to be emotional. Right. I don't. Spapreneurs is Ramona Rice here. I am flying kind of solo today. My favorite co-host, my mom, Ceci, is out and about doing her thing because you know what? She has set up her business for success where she gets to make money and not actually be here. So I am here at the day spa and I have an incredible, incredible kind of co-host guest with me. Um, she is fantastic. Her name is Nikki Roush and she has like legit experience, y'all. She has worked for, um, she has sold to Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Hewlett Packer and NASA. Um, yeah, the people that send people up in space. Woo. Um, and what I love right now is that she, like so many of you, has decided to strike on her own. She was tired of being on the road and she wants to help entrepreneurs. That's y'all business owners listening to me, uh, build relationships and sell in a way that creates true connection and results in closed deals. And I realized for a lot of you, sales is icky. Because we want to be massage therapists and we want to be estheticians and we don't want to actually sell. Ladies and gentlemen listening to the podcast, I hate to be the one to tell this to you, but if you are own a business, you have to freaking sell. So welcome, Nikki. How are you today? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. So I know you deal with a lot of different people who have to sell various business owners all over the country, probably all over the world. And what I like to tell all my guests is that day spas feel different. I know they're not different. They're a business just like any other. They sell a product or basically a service. They rent a time and people come in and get massages or they get skincare. And the problem is, is that in our industry, when our professionals are being trained, they're trained to be great massage therapists. They're trained to be great estheticians. They are not trained to be good business people and especially never salespeople. And so I was really hoping we could address that today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think when it comes to the idea of selling, a lot of times there's some misconceptions around it. And it is a skill set that I find there isn't a lot of training in any school, right? In any profession that you go into, they rarely train you that, oh yeah, you can, you can have the best accounting system, you can have the best scheduler, all those things, but there still comes down to this place of selling. And so the idea around selling and what I teach is that it's about building strong relationships and being strategic in your conversations with somebody to make it easy for them to get what they want, what they need, solve their problem. Um, sales isn't something that you do to somebody. It's something you do with somebody. And I think that fits really nicely with the massage therapists, the, the estheticians, because my experience of massage therapists and estheticians is they really are doing this because they have a passion for helping people and they 
they feel really strongly about whatever it is that they do and they know it makes an impact and a difference in people's lives. And this idea of sometimes like, well, if I sell, does that make me a bad person? Because I'm really just trying to make an impact on somebody's life. So I think that's one of the big misconceptions and we can dig as deep as you want into that because I love that topic. No, I do too. And, you know, something we've always said from the beginning of the podcast is when we started talking about sales, we used to say, okay, we don't sell to our clients. We educate our clients. We educate our Mm -hmm. clients on why you need to come in regularly, why massage and skincare and nail care are not like once in a while treats, like they should be regular occurrences, why our membership programs are so good, why we're the best, you know, but I've kind of, especially in this 2020 where, you know, the sales landscape is way different um, for a lot of people is that we can't just educate anymore. We have to sell. Like we had to be, and I feel like for at least for my massage therapist, I work with here at my day spa. And then also I work with a spapreneur. Sometimes it's a fear of that rejection or that imposter syndrome where they're just like, I don't, I feel like they don't want to sell because they don't trust. Like they can sell anybody else. Like I'll give you an example. I am the best Girl Scout cookie mom (laughs) because my (laughs) child always goes above and beyond her quota. Like I'm talking like thousands of boxes of Girl Scout cookies. Dang. And it's because, yeah, no, no, this kid, man, and she gets out there on video and she, trust me, she could probably tell some of your clients how to sell things. Um, and th- I think the key is though, is that we have a product we, we know, like, and trust. Yes. You know, it's a brand or videos. Like when I say Girl Scout cookies, immediately people go, oh yeah, I'm thinking of exactly my favorite Girl Scout cookie and how cute it is. And, and anyway, I feel like for a lot of us who are, you know, business-wise, and this is any business, is that sometimes there's that, I don't, I wouldn't buy my own product fear. Mm. I couldn't afford my own product fear. Yes. Yeah. You know, and they're like, so if I can't afford my own product, how, how dare other people afford my own product? Yeah. Well, there is a term in in sales and it says don't sell from somebody else's wallet. Mm. And it's this idea that as, as anytime you're in a sales position, the two, two biggest like detriments to your, to what you're doing in a sales conversation is one, as a salesperson, we, we project our limiting beliefs onto the other person. So that's what you're talking about here of like, you know, I couldn't afford my own product. And then the other thing that we do, the second thing is we hallucinate that we can read their minds, that we know what they're thinking. And when you show up in a sales conversation with those types of kind of behaviors and beliefs, like I can't afford my own product, they're thinking, why would I pay for this? You're, you're trying to sell from somebody else's wallet and really you're doing a huge disservice to somebody because whether you mean to or not, sometimes you treat them like they can't afford your service. And that can be super off-putting to somebody that's like, why do they always treat me like they think I can't afford this? And then they'll go find somebody else who doesn't do that to them. So it's, I know, you, you know, people who do this, you're not doing it like to try to make people feel bad, but in essence, you kind of are. And so one of the things I teach and work with my clients a lot on is that in the sales conversation, it isn't about you and you need to set aside these limiting beliefs and this negative, you know, internal critic that you've got going on in your voice, in your head and really focus on the experience for the other person. You know, when I think about estheticians, you know, um, I, I worked with an esthetician, had an esthetician client for a while and, um, 
when we were kind of digging in, she was using some of that language that you're saying, like she really wanted to educate and she was a wealth of knowledge. This woman, she's, she is brilliant. She knows more about skin and products and how they interact than anybody I've ever met in my life. And she would set up this really beautiful experience. You know, she had the lights dim and she had nice music playing. And, you know, she even put a blanket on the top of you when she was doing, you know, the service. But the thing that she would then do is she would want to educate you the whole session because she felt like that was, that was what she was supposed to do to like earn her money. But for me, I was like, I just want to have the experience. I like it to be quiet and relaxing and I just want to enjoy this. And yeah, let me ask a question and please give me a detailed answer. But if you talk the whole time, you're kind of robbing me of the experience that I want. I, I love this. I, and I, I've written down a couple of notes. I love, first off, I've heard this, that expression before, don't suffer someone else's wallet. Don't put your own kind of limiting beliefs on there. And I, I do feel like that. I have to remind y'all too, is that ideally you're probably not your ideal client. We talk That's about that true. a lot, that ideal client avatar, um, you know, and if you are great, I mean, that does happen. But, you know, like for example, with Spopreneur, y'all, I am not my ideal client. I would not coach myself. I need someone who's bigger, like who's more advanced than I am in my career. And it's not a discount over anything of anybody, anybody else is doing, but it's just, that's what we seek to. But I love the idea that, um, you know, it isn't about you. And, and that's something y'all who have gone to spa school, you know this. It needs to be about the client and what the client expectations are and what they come in to, to address because that's a big problem. I don't know if you've ever had a brand new esthetician or massage therapist. I have dealt with many in my career and they always want to, they want to fix and they want to do what they want to do. And I'm like, no, no babies, back it up. We got to ask the client first and foremost, what is your expectation or goal for this session? Like, what do you want to accomplish? And had she just simply asked you, you know, what do you really want to accomplish? You probably would have said, I went pretty skin, but I want to zone out. And that could have eliminated a lot of that, you know, talking because you're right. I mean, it totally ruins the experience. You're going to have some clients who are chatty cathies and just want to chat, chat, chat and learn everything. And they're fun. But then you've got others, majority of them who are like, please, particularly right now as everything's so stressful in the world, they just want to zone the freak out. So yeah, no, Nikki, I, I love this. And I love the idea too that, you know, when you don't make it about you, and you make it about what the client needs. Can you talk about that in like the sales perspective? Because I think they understand how to create like a treatment plan, but how do you get them from the treatment plan to actually buy? Because this is in a lot of industries like dentist and I'm thinking cosmetic surgeons and all kinds of different areas where, again, they're trained to do a service and do it well, but they're not trained to sell. Okay. So I teach a structure behind the sales process. It's called the selling staircase and there's five steps in the selling staircase. So I'm just going to talk through them really quickly and I can dig into any of them that you want to. Great. So step one is that introduction. You're meeting somebody for the first time. They're getting an experience with you. Step two is learning how to create curiosity so that people start to understand like you know something or you have something that they need or want and they're interested in furthering the conversation. Step three is the discovery. This is where we're really understanding what's the problem, what's the need, and do I have a solution for them? And then step four is proposal. This is where you lay out a treatment plan. This is where you, um, and this is where I'm going to talk to to answer your question. Uh, and then step five, just to, to finish it, is the close. That's where you issue the close language. So I find a lot of times with people who aren't really comfortable with the selling process, where things start to really fall apart is either in step two in creating curiosity 
or in step four in the proposal because we think, well, I don't want to be pushy or aggressive, so I'm not going to be really clear. I'm just going to let them decide what they want. But the fact of the matter is, if they knew what they wanted or if they could solve their own problem, they wouldn't be there with you. They need for you to stand in your place of expertise, stand in your credibility, and recommend the right solution to meet their need and their problem. So don't sell what you, what you think somebody can afford. Sell them what they need. And this is super important in the proposal. So you lay out, here's the treatment plan. My recommendation is this. And then you issue closed language. And this is another place where people tend to fall down is because they might say the treatment plan, but they never actually issue closed language. And if you don't issue closed language, the fact of the matter is our brains are lazy and we are information overload all the time and especially right now. So we won't make a decision if we don't have to. And this is why you have to issue closed language because it allows for the brain to make a decision. And an example of a closed language would be, you know, my recommendation is this treatment plan. And then you say, here's the closed language. Should we move forward with that? You have to issue, I call it issuing an invitation. One, because I like the idea of being invited to things. And I think it's, it's softer, but it's still that ask. And if you don't ask a yes or no question in the close, you won't get a yes or no answer. And it's super important. I, I love this. Uh, you know, I, I've often, I don't know, um, you probably say it better than I do. I tell them sometimes at the end of the service, treat your clients like you would a toddler at a restaurant. Literally offer them two choices. Would you like to rebook next Tuesday or next Wednesday at one o'clock? And that way it's a yes or no. Because yes. if you offer too many choices, like the Cheesecake Factory menu, it's monstrous and you never know what you want to eat and you wind up not getting exactly what you want or what you need. Um, and, and I love this because I love the idea of the closed language that we, should we move forward with this? That's a, you know, should we move forward with this plan? Would you like another appointment? And, and you have to be really specific when you ask for that appointment. Like you can't just say, would you like another appointment? Of course they want another appointment. You yeah. need to say, do you want an appoint, another appointment next Tuesday? I have openings at two o'clock and four o'clock. And then right. that's, and then Nikki, do you believe in me where this is where you need to be quiet? Oh yeah, I say zip it. Like seriously, and I teach this to my clients. Like zip it and wait because they're processing information or they're making a decision or maybe they're grabbing their phone to look at their calendar. But if you keep talking, you do what's called selling past the close. And it is such a detriment to your business and to your client to actually be able to complete the thought, make the appointment and move on with their day. So you, you have to be quiet. I love also too this phrase that you wrote. I wrote it down because I thought it was so powerful. Sell them what they need, not what they can afford. Um, can you go into that a little bit more? think they can afford. Think so just they, to clarify, yeah. Okay, yeah. So can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah. So this comes down to, again, kind of the discussion that we had earlier is that sometimes we think, well, I wouldn't pay for this. Like I'm not my own client, right? And so we make decisions about what somebody is willing to invest. And the detriment to that is maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. It doesn't really matter if that isn't what is going to solve their problem. So if a treatment plan for them is to come in once a week for the next 10 weeks and you think, well, they probably just want to go appointment by appointment. Well, then what happens is you get one appointment on the calendar 
and then their schedule gets busy. They forget to schedule with you, and now they actually never get their problem solved. But if you say, my recommendation is for us to schedule one appointment for the next two weeks, should we go ahead and schedule those now? And then you actually schedule them on your calendar. Most of us live and breathe our calendar. So if it's on my calendar, I'm going to show up for the appointment. And that's what we want your client to do. So don't be afraid to recommend what you know is going to solve their problem. Even if they've told you like, I'm only looking to spend this amount of money, but their problem requires them to spend more money. You can still lay out that other option. So my recommendation based on what you said would be this treatment plan. Now, I can give you a step down if you'd like. You let me know. So if they can say like, well, I can't really afford that. What are my other options? Great. Then you can have another option for them, but be willing to stand in your place of authority and recommend what they need. Yeah. I love this. I love that. The stand in your place of authority. If you were taking notes, write that down. And then I want you to put it on post-it note and I want you to put on every mirror that you see yourself in because that is an excellent statement, Nikki. You need to get on t-shirt and that needs to be like something merch that you say, okay? Because that's totally going to be okay, a pull-out on it. Stand in your place of authority because I think it's so true because I think we forget that in that moment and, and even if you're massaging like a doctor or doing skincare to a, like a lawyer or whatever and these are like highfalutin like careers and they, they have lots of education, in that room, in that moment, you are the professional you are the pro and you're the one giving the advice. You're the one giving the recommendation and you're the one who knows that body better than they do. And so I, you know, you never see a doctor ever say, well, I'm not going to prescribe this because it's too expensive. No, they say, this is the best medicine. It's going to be up to you to figure out how to pay for it. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to be that harsh, but what I am saying is that I feel like, and, and I'm sure other industries like this too, people who are drawn to this industry a lot of times are very caring individuals. Yeah. And so they don't, they don't have that natural kind of, this is why I was a terrible massage therapist, Nikki, because I am cutthroat and I will sell. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're not going to leave until I get a yes or a no. And, and we finally, and, and, and also talk about this for a minute because I know you know this. There is a difference between a solid no. Like if it's a solid no, you should absolutely respect that. But there's a difference, am I right? Because sometimes they say no, but they don't because they're, yep. and they're using different language. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So a hard no in any situation, respect it, right? Like, please respect it. But oftentimes they won't come right out and say no. They'll say things like, uh, I'm not sure if this is the right time or, you know, I don't, it might be a little bit outside my budget. So I think I'm going to wait well, I think I'm going to wait is not a hard no. That is an opportunity for you to, to check in. So you don't, I don't believe in being pushy at all, actually. It just doesn't fit my style. Yeah. Um, so my, my solution there would be to check in and say, you know, if I was able to offer an alternative here or if I was able to offer a payment plan, would you be interested then? Now, notice I don't go into like, here's my payment plan and here's how we can do this and here's how you can blah, blah, blah. Because then, that, that, then it sounds like you're just trying to hard sell them. But if you ask questions, if you get curious and start asking questions and offer possible solutions if they're interested, a lot of times they'll be like, well, tell me about this payment plan or, oh, well, tell me about this other option. And then oftentimes, then it becomes a yes. Or actually, this, this works for me all the time. <laughs> Somebody says like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to invest that, that amount of money. I don't know if I can swing that or whatever. 
And then I say, you know, if I was able to offer a payment plan, would you be interested in talking about that? And they go, tell me about the payment plan. I lay it out for them and they go, okay, you know, I'm just going to pay in full. This happens to me all the time. So sometimes we just need to let them kind of process through and offer some possible solutions without being aggressive about it. And then a lot of times their brain will come up with a solution. I know one time I had a woman say like, oh, I need this payment plan. And then she came back and she's like, you know what? I have this PayPal credit and I'm just going to use it and pay for this with that. Like, but she hadn't, she wouldn't have got there if I hadn't talked it out with her a little bit. So be willing to check in. And it's also okay if somebody gives you a no and you're kind of surprised by it because you just offered this amazing solution that fit their need exactly. And they still say like, uh, I think I'm going to wait. It's actually okay to say to somebody, you know, can I, is it okay to ask your reason for declining? Check and see, because they may not even have like a conscious, at a conscious level yet, what's the true reason? And if we don't ever like get curious and check it out, we may never know what the real objection is. And you cannot overcome an objection until you know what it is. How do you build the muscle to get over the fear of that? Because like when you said that, you know, may I ask why you're saying no, that's a really brave statement. Like even Mm -hmm. I, when you were saying uh, it kind of, my gut was like, could I actually even me (laughs) ask someone that? Could I have the, you know, and it's not even the audacity. It's not an audacious question at all. It's a fair, reasonable question. How do you build that, that kind of endurance or, you know, exercise to, to avoid that fear, get the brave going, I guess. Well, I, I'm going to say it's two things. One is it's muscle memory. So it's, it's practice, right? Like, it's just like if you're going to go, you know, decide you're going to run a marathon, you don't just go out and run it. Like it takes practice. You have to build up the muscle to be able to, to perform. So there's that. But the other thing, and I teach this a lot with my clients, is it's super important that you do things to manage your internal state before you go into those conversations. Because if you're feeling vulnerable... If you're feeling like you have all these things that are calling for your attention, I'm thinking about what am I going to make for dinner? I got to go pick up the kids or whatever is going through your mind. You're not giving your full attention in this moment. And so I actually teach a process of how to manage your state before you pick up the phone, before you send an email, before you you know go into a client interaction, whatever that is. But it's super important that you manage your internal state so that you're resilient in these moments. And again, I want to say that statement because I I get where you say like, I don't know if I could say that. Mm -hmm. If you notice, there's a few things that I do when I say it. I soften my voice so it doesn't come across. Because if I say, you know, is it okay to ask your reason for declining? That's like, dang girl, that's like aggressive. But if I say, you know, is it okay to ask your reason for declining? I'm checking in. I'm, I'm softer. I'm asking a legit question. I'm curious. I'm not trying to be aggressive or confrontational with somebody. I'm just checking in. So that's another kind of tat. It's a technique of learning how to soften your voice in certain situations. Also knowing when to have a very congruent, strong voice. It, you know, there's, there's times for both in, in a sales conversation. I love that you keep using the term curiosity. And I feel mm-hmm. like if we could just in our minds shift the situation of like, I'm going to be curious and discover what my client needs, what they desire, what they want. And then I'm going to recommend my solutions that I've come up with by being curious. It's not really 
it doesn't feel like the traditional sales tactic, if you will, Nikki. It feels more like I, again, I'm, I'm recommending like a treatment plan that I know will work based on what I've discovered. Um, and it sounds like throughout the process, curiosity becomes, it feels like that's the biggest step. I don't know if it is in your system, but it feels like the biggest step. It is a big step. I will say it, and it goes both ways too, right? Like it's super important that you know how to create curiosity in the selling process. And it's also, it's one of those things like if you don't know what to do or what to say in a sales conversation and you're feeling a little bit insecure about it or you're feeling uncomfortable, always revert back to being curious. That will, that will often save the conversation if you go like, I don't know what to say here. I don't know what to do here. If you've got that going on in your mind, go back to being curious and ask, start asking some questions, like check in with people. Um, I also teach how to ask non-context specific questions sometimes. Uh, there's a time and place to use a non-context specific question. And you use them when you're like, not really sure what's going on in the mind of the other person. So for instance, this is a question that I often use with clients as I say, how are we doing so far? There's no context to it. But when you ask somebody, how are we doing so far? They answer from where, like from their own, their own brain says, this is what this question means. So they kind of give you some insight into what's going on in their mind. So just get really curious and see what happens. And if you want to talk about creating curiosity, I'm happy to do that too. No, I, I um, do because I think, I think I love this idea of curiosity because it feels then a little less icky. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel like I'm just trying to push whatever I'm trying to sell. And instead, if I'm asking the questions, I'm really discovering what my clients need, want, desire, and I've got solutions for it. Number one, it's going to be a much better match. Mm -hmm. in terms of service and satisfaction for them. Plus, it allows me to see if I even want to keep them as a client. Maybe yes, they don't amen. fit. Yes, because sometimes we need to ship them somewhere else. And that's not a negative thing. It just means they are not right for us. So yeah, I'd love to know how do you get curiosity? Like how do you get it going? Okay, so bear with me here for just a second as I explain this because I always, when I start, people look at me like I'm a lunatic. <laughs> but when I think about creating curiosity, I always compare it to, it's the difference between how you call a dog and how you call a cat. Now, I get this. Yes. Because I, okay. I, have, I have both. So okay. I do understand. But yes, please explain. Okay. <laughs> so you know, if you want to call a dog, you do this thing where you get this like high-pitched, like excited voice, like, come here, boy, come here, right? Right. Dogs love that kind of energy because they're like, oh my gosh, something fun's going to happen. I want to play. I'm in. Let's go for a walk, whatever it is. So unfortunately, sometimes when we show up in conversations with clients, like we're so excited to tell them about this new offer, or this new you know, product or this new treatment. We come off with what I call dog calling energy. And that is so off-putting to people, especially if that's so counter to their normal style. It comes across a little bit like aggressive. Oftentimes when you have dog calling energy, I also say you tend to word vomit all over people. Like you say yes. way too much. Or you're talking too fast. I have a, yes. my mother and I are both very guilty of talking very fast because we're just excited, you know, yes. and, 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 and you're right for dog that's awesome. But cats are way different creatures. That's right. So the idea of like cat calling energy is that this, this you know, if you want to get a cat's attention, it's the here kitty kitty. It has to be a little softer. It's got to be. And it doesn't always mean that the cat's even going to come to you, frankly, <laughs> but they'll often like at least give you a look 
maybe, maybe give you a lean in. We'll see. So when you're thinking about creating curiosity, think, are you making these here kitty kitty statements? So an example of one is how you answer questions. And you want to answer a question that possibly create some curiosity that makes somebody have a follow-up question or want to know more. So let's say that a patient shows up or a client shows up to work with you and they say like, how's business been? Now you could have just like a generic answer like, oh, it's been good or it's been bad or it's been whatever, but that doesn't really create any curiosity. And if you were to say something like, oh, business has been fantastic. We have this brand new offer and clients have just been really loving it. Now, sometimes people are going to go like, what's the new offer? Now you've got permission to talk about it because they just asked the question versus going right into sales mode of like, there's this new offer and I want to tell you all about it. And now we're back into dog calling energy because we're like kind of talking without the person having indicated any interest at all. And you can kind of do this, what I call here, kitty, kitty statements. You can pretty much come up with one to any question that somebody asks you. So I always think about like, what do I want to talk about right now? Um, so when somebody asks me a question, like even if it's just a how are you question, right, which is a really common question we all get. I think usually at the beginning of the week, and this is what I advise for my clients too, come up with something that is relevant, is true, only say things that are true but something that you possibly want to talk about around your business. So right now, you know, I launched a podcast in March. So if somebody asked me, you know, how, like, how are you, Nikki? I would say, oh, I'm great. The podcast is going really well. We just surpassed, you know, X number of downloads. Now, somebody might be like, oh, that's nice. Uh, so what else is going on, right? Like they might change the topic, which is totally fine. But they also might be like, well, what's your podcast about? Or like, oh, who, who is this targeted for? Or... And then they, they oftentimes it opens the it opens the door for me to talk a little bit more about my business, what I do, why somebody would ever listen to Sales Maven podcast, right? So be willing to plant some seeds, open those doors, and have some more, like real conversations about the things you want to talk about versus always just talking about the weather or the pandemic or politics or you know stuff that isn't going to drive your business forward. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, y'all, please don't talk about politics in the day spas because seriously, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny, Nikki, um, here. So I, you know, obviously I have Spapreneur, which is here, but we own, um, I don't know if you know this, a very large day spa in Newport News, Virginia. So it's over 6,000 square feet. Um, we have a huge team and it's, yeah, no, it's crazy. Nikki's face was just hilarious. Was like, 6, square feet. <laughs> it's a lot of spa. Um, so we have a rule where we're just like, you know, people know where we stand politically. Like um, when the Black Lives Matter movement really blew up in June after George Floyd murdered, um, we sent a letter to clients and we had a few that were just like, eh, and they, they wanted to come in and talk about it. And we were like, no, this is not the space for that. We just sent that letter to do that. So, you know, it's okay for you to corral those conversations, y'all. And I love the idea of the the curiosity question because it, it, the smartest spapreneurs out there always make it about the clients. They always yeah. make it about the clients. And my girls that are booked out like months in advance, they make it about those clients. Like they make the entire experience about those clients and that's why they succeed. It's almost effortless and they're selling. They just have made it into a way that it's basically part of their entire treatment plan because they know that what they do is matters. They know that they're going to get results for their clients and they, and the clients get it. And here Here's the thing, y'all. You have to really get a client in, at least in day spa land. I say about six times in a year, and they're they're a retained client. 
So that could be once a month, that could be once every two months, but they need to come in at least six times in a 12-month calendar to consider them a, a, a retained client here in, in Days Plant Land. And for other people maybe listening, like, you know, I have, believe it or not, I have real estate agents listening. And so that may be a retained client, maybe something different like, you know, how many referrals do you get from that client? Because mm-hmm. obviously the sales cycle with real estate is way different than massage. Because, yeah. you know, there's some people who are like, I'll get massaged every day. And I'm like, well... Um, we don't recommend that, <laughs> you know, but if you want to, we're not going to stop you. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so, so don't, do understand that for some of you who have longer sales cycles, this curiosity thing also, Nikki mentioned this, it can be done through email. It can be done through phone calls. It can be done through direct mail. It doesn't always have to be in person. Right. Um, and, and what I love this whole approach, and we're going to talk about, because you have, a, she has a gift for y'all that's free. I'm super excited about it. I'm going to totally download it myself because I'm a nerd that way. Um, but I love that you basically, the whole system and everything just feels really organic. Like it becomes part of the whole experience. And that way it doesn't feel like there's not a... You know how at the end of a, a service, sometimes there's a start stop where it's like, okay, we've stopped the relaxation. Now we're started the selling. We've started the money part of it. And I feel like with your, with everything we've talked about today is you're really encouraging us as business owners to make the sales process the entire experience. So that way it's not jarring when it's the end yeah. and we're asking for a rebook. Yeah. You know, it's funny because sometimes I'll work with clients that will say like, I'm really good at what I do. And, and then as soon as I go into sales mode, like my voice changes, my body language changes. And I was like, well, then there's, there's a disconnect there. It should feel natural. And it, and when it is natural for you, when, when you do it consistently, when you're more strategic in your conversation, it is much more pleasant for the client to experience and it's easier for them. It's more palatable. It's easier for them to make decisions. You know, it's just like an esthetician. And this is what I teach for my estheticians too, is like, you know, as you're talking through like the product that you're using and if they've got some questions about it, and then you make sure that that product is sitting on the counter for them when they go out at the end and you say, you know, here are the products in case you had some questions about them. And then, you know, you let them pick them up and touch them and then you invite them to take them home with them, right? Like increase that sale, but do it the whole time so it doesn't get to the end and you're like, now I want to sell you product that feels awkward and weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And remember too, with product sales, I love this. Um, and this is a great place to, for us to wrap up some of this is that product sales is that extension of the spa experience at home. It's a reminder that they love you, that they're not just buying a random product on Ulta shelves, um, though I love Ulta, but you know, I don't get my skincare for there because I get my skincare from my person who does my skin because she understands me and I'm 40 now and I can't just use any old product off the shelf. <laughs> Dear Lord, don't use any old product off the shelf. Y'all get some professional advice. Uh, but the same thing, my hair salon does this too. We don't do um, hair at our place. So I go to another place. They're so smart because they have it in their system where it pops up when the last time I bought shampoo was. So the front desk girl, the immediately open. By the way, we're going to go ahead and pull some shampoo. We notice you're probably getting low. Um, we're just going to hold it for you, make sure it's, it's available for you at the end of the thing. And that's it. Yeah. So it, it sounds, it makes it seem like, oh, they're doing me a favor. I don't have to think about it. Yes. You know, and I'm like, that's great. It prevents me from buying Target shampoo. So there's a lot of different ways to do this. I bet you if you check out Nikki's podcast and all of her resources, she's got a bunch that you are going to learn a ton um, because I feel like sales is an art. And I promise you, they don't teach a sales class at Harvard Business School. They do not. I looked. 
They really don't. <laughs> there are no sales classes anywhere in Harvard Business School. Lots of marketing classes, which I guess technically sales, but it's not really. Uh, no. Nikki, before we, we tell them all about the goodies that you're providing for Spopreneur and where to connect with you, I love this last question for my guests because I feel it's so important, particularly for women. What makes you feel wealthy? I love this question so much. I, and I want you to know that every morning before I get out of bed, I go through, I have some mantras that I say to myself. Mm -hmm. And one of them is I am a wealthy woman. And then I name all the things that make me wealthy. So, Oh, good. Really, so this yeah. is right into you. This is so like up my alley. So oh, I good. say I'm a wealthy woman. I, I, I'm wealthy in my relationships. I'm wealthy with my you know, family connections. I'm wealthy with the money that's in my bank. I'm wealthy with opportunity that continues to come my way. So that is, that is part of my daily mantra before I actually touch my feet on the ground when I wake up every single morning. I love this. And again, reminder, spapreneurs, that yes, we are in this business to help people, but we're also in this so that we can provide for our families and not just get by. I'm talking wealth. And I'm not talking you have to be Jeff Bezos, like gazillion dollars rich. <laughs> you just need to be where you are happiest and that money isn't an obstacle. And that's what I want for all of you. So Nikki, you have some great resources um, on your websites and including a free gift for our spapreneurs. Can you tell us about them? Yes. So on the website and, and what I'm going to give to you is my ebook called Closing the Sale. And so it's all around how to, simple tips for increasing confidence in that closed conversation. So there's some language suggestions in there for you. There's some of the steps that we went through and you can get that by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash spapreneur. So this is specifically for your audience. Go to yoursalesmaven and it's M-A-V-E-N.com forward slash spapreneur. Okay. And then tell us a little bit about the podcast because obviously I've been listening to this one. They always love a good podcast. Oh, thank you so much. So it's the Sales Maven Show mm -hmm. and I do solo episodes where I'm actually giving sales strategy and tips. And then I also do on-air coaching calls, which are really popular because people get to like sit and be a fly on the wall and listen to me coach and then go and apply it. So it's been going great and I love it. And I would love if somebody wants to check it out and listen and reach out to me. I'm always happy to hear from people too. No, love it. Nikki, you've been fantastic. Again, it is my sales maven. Um, you can get the link to the free ebook book by going to her website or go ahead to spapreneur.com. Um, check out our latest episode. We do have a new updated Facebook, uh, not Facebook page, um, podcast page. Everything is under one website now. It's been a lot of work. I'm super excited. Nikki, I'm so excited. You have no idea. Um, <laughs> and when you're there, check out, we have a new course coming up called the full schedule email. I am releasing literally y'all all of the templates that I use to fill 20 massage therapists each week. And it takes me an hour and it fills their schedules. It's amazing. So definitely check that out. And again, check out Nikki. I always love it when I have fantastic guests who just really want y'all to succeed because we just don't let anybody on. And Nikki, thank you. You've been such a fantastic guest. Thank you for having me.